Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and, and the, the world, world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweeds Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at tumbleweedhealthcenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. All right, welcome to Wednesday, Wednesday, everybody. How's everybody doing out there in this wonderful world of weed? Woohoo! <laughs> Once again, I have to be my own sound effects because the show quit. So I'm hoping it works. Hoping, hoping, hoping because we have a special guest today. Woohoo! Super excited about that. We haven't had a, a special guest in a long time, so we will. Soon here, welcome on Michael Sassano. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Uh, CEO and chairman of the board for Sumai Pharmaceuticals. We'll chat with him in just a few moments here. But what a lovely May. I can't even believe it's May. Happy May, everybody. Woohoo! <laughs> We're almost halfway through the year. All right, and the obvious question. How many days until Christmas? All right, folks, this is for the best day, May 3rd. 236 days until Christmas, you guys. Woo! Kitty's like, what just happened? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> it's Weed Day Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in. Wow, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous Wednesday here in uh, Tucson, Arizona. Probably about 68 degrees, I'm guessing. And uh, it's just wonderful. I'm hoping you all can hear me because, like I said, the show already died, <laughs> so I had to call in. Of course, I always call in just for that reason alone, uh, just to make sure that we do get some on air time. So uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, and uh, we want to give a shout-out to Tumbleweed Cell Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard. Come on down and get certified. It's super important. Um, for many reasons, uh, I, I personally uh, like the legal aspect of the protection you get when you have your medical card. But there are a lot of people out there that need more medicine than you can get in the recreational program and stronger medicine. Uh, and that's uh, and, and a lot of people want to meet with doctors. They really want to talk about what's going on with them. They want to find out what, you know, treatment is, the best delivery method, uh, and what is going to be helpful for their condition. Uh, 
and you don't always get that in the, the recreational program. So that's another benefit to the medical program. Just one, you know, of several. But if you live in Arizona anywhere, because we do offer telemedicine, and you have one of these conditions, we can get you certified to get your medical card. And right now I just want to say um, there is a bill out there, and we're hoping it passes in the fall that allows the, that will have the state fee dropped. Uh, to uh, to $50, that's $100 savings from what we're at now, uh, which is 240, uh, the state fee is 150 and it's 249 to get your card with tumbleweeds if you're on food stamps, it's 174 but that'll go down by $100, and then veterans will get um, the state fee waived altogether. They'll still have to pay the doctor and processing fee, but they will not have that fee anymore. But if you want to get your card and you have one of these conditions, uh, PTSD, cancer, AIDS, chronic pain, severe nausea, seizures, including epilepsy, HIV, Hep C, AIDS, any of these conditions, you can get your medical card. If you suffer from one of these medical conditions and have been diagnosed by an Arizona licensed physician, medical cannabis may help relieve your symptoms. Tumbleweeds Health Center is Arizona's premier cannabis certification health and education center. Our primary focus is to help the patients of Arizona obtain their medical marijuana card and educate everyone about medical cannabis. With current medical records, approval is a simple process. Contact Tumbleweeds Health Center to see if you qualify for your Arizona medical marijuana card. That's right. Give us a call, 520-838-4430. You can email thctucson at gmail.com, or you could just go right to the website, com, and you can fill out some forms there. And uh, if you want to go telemedicine, you fill that out, and we'll contact you for your appointment. All right. All right. Well, enough of the commercials. Let's get on air with our guest. Um, Michael Sassano, as I was saying. Uh, Michael is a respected executive in the pharmaceutical cannabis industry and an early investor in the U.S. cannabis industry. He's celebrated for his expertise in developing large-scale cannabis infrastructures and advanced pharmaceutical cannabinoid products. My sincere apologies. Oh, hang on. Hang on. Let me try again. Oh. Oh, are you there? Can you hear me now? Yes. Famous last words. <laughs> how, how are you doing? <laughs> Everything, everything's great here in Lisbon, Portugal. Sunny, bright day. You're in Portugal. Oh, my gosh. Now I'm just jealous. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, this is what the center is for there? our manufacturing over here. Here it's uh, it's um, uh, four o'clock. Oh, okay, nice, excellent, excellent time of the day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. So, do you speak Portuguese? Unfortunately, I don't, but I'm learning. You know, it's it's a little difficult, <laughs> uh, and as you might imagine. Uh, once everybody knows you're American, everybody talks English and practices their English on you. Yeah, exactly. I can imagine. Oh, well, yeah. thank you for coming on the show. 
No, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, you. It seems like you've done a little bit of everything, and now you're uh, developing um, cannabinoid-containing pharmaceuticals. Well, let's, Michael, let's back up a little bit before we just jump right into that. Um, tell us about yourself. Like, you know, where did you grow up? How did you get started in this, and why cannabis? Um, yeah, I was uh, born in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. I uh, went to school in Boston, uh, Boston University. Uh, New York City was uh, the adult life uh, uh, where I grew up, uh, let's say, in my adult life. And uh, then I ended up on the West Coast and uh, getting into uh, recreate. well, initially medical, and then recreational cannabis. Uh, uh, Las Vegas was uh, my home for many years. And, uh, and ultimately that transitioned into different investments, uh, building out a lot of properties and uh, working with, a lot, you know, most every group, um, uh, you know, ages ago in, in the industry. And then I decided to uh, come to Lisbon, Portugal and build a manufacturing facility out here uh, to do pharmaceutical-grade cannabis products. Wow. That's you, you, yeah, you've been everywhere. <laughs> well, I got even all. more, I have even more than that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure this show could probably last another three hours easy, a cup of coffee or two. <laughs> <laughs> so what, why did you get into cannabis? Do you know someone that needed it or you, you like it yourself recreationally? No, I, I think, uh, uh, the initial start was uh, definitely uh, there was a lot of people uh, I knew uh, that were using it to help help themselves. Um, so you know this was formed a base uh, to explore it further, and then you know looking at it from a different angle, um, I was a I was a uh, uh, initially when I was in New York I was uh, into investing in early stage companies, um, mm. uh, had that skill. Uh, back in the uh, in the uh, uh, late 90s with the internet and, and things like that, and I was a real estate developer, and, and I saw that uh, cannabis uh, had, had a need in a space, especially in the medical area back then. We didn't really know about recreational. It was kind of rumored it was going to come around, but, uh, you know, it was all medical back in the beginning. And right. and it just, it looked like a good use uh, of uh, a good investment, but also a good way to help people uh, get the therapies that they're needed. Um, you know, as recreational dawned, of course, that was positive for our revenue lines. Uh, but I saw greater calling uh, with making actual pharmaceutical grade products in Europe. Um, and why Europe? I think. Well, number one, I, I've lived here uh, for a large part of my life, uh, so at least uh, the last 25 years. Uh, I am European okay. also, um, so I'm, I'm a Greek, uh, so I have an EU passport. Um, but on the other, nice. the other side, um, they l- lacked a lot of the knowledge for cannabis, and I happen to think that I got a great education and working with the U.S. companies. Um, we had mm-hmm. some great uh, opportunities, and when the opportunity presented itself uh, to move back over to Europe and and uh, bring my expertise from the U.S. over there, um, I jumped at it. And the whole concept of, of 
making a pharmaceutical-grade product was very appealing uh, to where the beginning started in the medical industry in the United States. So, um, you know, one of the big things that that drove me was that this was a global product. I make a product that's registered as a medicine, and it can be distributed to multiple countries. Um, So there is Mm -hmm. no borders. Uh, It is, you know, it's medicine that's designed to help people. Absolutely, and it should be. There should be a no border rule on this anywhere, um, because it is it is medicine for a lot of people. And I don't care who uses it recreationally, but I mean we all know it. It's helpful at whatever you call it. <laughs> it's helpful to your system. Um, you're making what kinds of products? Did you grow before? Is that what Solaris was about? Were you a grower? Were you into manufacturing, distributing? What were you doing with that company? Well, we, we had we had all of those. So we were a uh, okay. uh, we were a cultivators. We were also manufacturers, and we were also distributors. Um, and later, we ended up with dispensaries. So we were retailers. Okay. Um, so cool. uh, all of those angles were covered. Awesome. Did you get to have your hands in a little bit of all of that, or what did you primarily do? I, I was I was doing everything from uh, sweeping the floors at night to make you know, to try to get the place going, making the the greenhouse floors clean to uh, to everything you can imagine. Um, you know, especially yep. in the early days, um, you needed to be hands on and learn. Um, you know, you had to understand what an aphid was. You had to understand, um, you know. Uh, the the extraction process, uh, the the manufacturing of different products. So um, just about everything from the very beginning, if you're going to run a company effectively, uh, you need to learn everything. And I took it to, you know, another level. Um, I just immersed myself to the point of of exhaustion uh, and really uh, got a, a, a high education on how to run all of these and operate them and run them efficiently. Awesome. That's and that is you're absolutely right. If you're going to run a company, you need to know every aspect of it. Otherwise, may as well give it away. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right, and I had to do it. There was no other choice. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't just well hire a bunch of people and say it's going to run great. No, no, no. You got to have your you got to have your hands in there. But that's the beauty of it because it seems like. You took what knowledge you got from that and you're able to apply it, you know, with your approach to the pharmaceutical side. Now, um, on on that note, we have a health center and um, we have a lot of folks that are, you know, they want to get away from like the regular pharmaceuticals out here that are destroying their bodies and such, but they still delivery method of the capsules and things, the old school ways. Are you working on different delivery methods? Um, what what kind of things are you doing over there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's really our specialty. Um, so, whereas the traditional uh, what traditionally people have um, is the drops sensors with um, uh, with an MCT oil base or some kind of base carrier oil, and then formulations thereof. 25 uh, right. milligrams of PEC per 1 ml, 10 for 10, you know. Um, and where we differ and where we excelled and went further is uh, we decided that, okay, well, you know, 
not only uh, does the delivery method uh, matter to people, and we have to stick along the pharmaceutical lines, um, so what else can we make? We can make a spray, something with a better taste. Um, we can make mm-hmm. uh, gel, uh, gel caps. People like to take pills. Uh, we make transdermals. Yeah. Some people cannot ingest it and don't get the uh, uh, true cannabinoid count. Um, and then uh, there's creams for, for dermal, uh, dermatological uh, treatments. Um, we also uh, are looking at, well, we're actually not looking at, we actually are making uh, more advanced formulations, which is completely novel here. Um, so things that we're used to in the United States, which are faster absorption, uh, more bioavailability, mm-hmm. Uh, we are also providing different solutions uh, for that, um, you know. So you also have to be cognizant. Some people cannot take oils into their stomach, so you need a different carrier base um, that helps because it causes either problems with their lymphatics or, or others. So, you know, servicing the market for us became uh, uh, less uh, a function of, okay, here's your basic drops and became a function of right. here's the delivery methods we know that work in the United States. Let's now take that and make them relevant to the European and global market, which conforms to EU GMP pharmaceutical grade production. And that was the trick uh, that had to be learned and then extrapolated. Right. Because, yeah, it's there are a lot of people that are very sensitive to the ingredients and, you know, because there's a lot of, I'm sadly, there's a lot of junk out there with way too much sugar and food coloring and stuff out there. So, you know, making uh, a nice gel cup that's pure is something that's, you know, healthier, I think, and better for, you know, ingestion uh, and getting a good product into your system, but people like the gummies. I, I myself like the gummies, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, um, I'm a gummy fan myself, but uh, it's not gonna, it's not pharmaceutical over here, and uh, it's one of those mm. things that, as much as I would love to do it, um, the only versions of gummies that currently exist are on the nutraceutical level with CBD, so it's treated more like a food supplement. Uh, but as soon as oh. you go to the THC. Uh, levels, which is where we really excel at, um, then, you know, right. food colorings and, and ingredients like that that are not pharmaceutical grade or products that are not pharmaceutical grade, um, you know, don't pass the mustard with the uh, regulators. So what what are the laws out there as far as cannabis and recreation and medical go? What are you up against there? And research. Wow, that's a that's a great question. Um, I'll try to answer it in less, less than a few hours, but I'll give you the short answer. Um, <laughs> well, we yeah, have at least forty the, minutes. <laughs> yeah, the um, uh, the first of all, you have to start with the premise of of, of manufacturing or growing, and understand that uh, these are uh, uh, all the processes uh, post harvesting, growing, and manufacturing are done just like any other pharmaceutical you can imagine, whether it would be antibiotics uh, or, or, or opioids or whatever, you know, you can imagine how a drug is manufactured. That quality standard has to exist. And that's the beginning. That's what we call EGMP pharmaceutical grade. It's very similar uh, to what the FDA uh, has outlined. And it has to do with right. your, your equipment, your process controls, your air handling, um, 
it, it's the highest level of cleanliness and reproducibility. So what do they right. what do they expect? They expect that's your quality standard, and you have to have a quality standard where everything conforms within a 10% deviation to what you're supposed mm. to be making. So it's for consumers' protections when you're selling a drug right. or a medicine. Uh, you need to conform to that. And the second thing that's most important is you need stability. On, on your packaging, you need to be able to say this has a shelf life for one year or, or more. Um, so right. uh, this, it, it, this involves in a, in, 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 uh, a process by which you put it in a stability chamber at different um, temperatures depending on the, on the zone uh, that you're selling to. So Brazil would have the high, hottest zone, so it would be uh, a hotter chamber. Um, you know, Europe is, is at the middle. It's not the cold chambers, but it would be in the middle. The United States would be the same. And you would, make, you would put these in those chambers, and they would sit there for six months to a year to two years uh, while you're getting your, your, your um, stability data. And so wow. once you have those two, then you can form under the herbal uh, EU pharmacopoeia to a, a herbal medicine. Now, you could go to another level, which would be uh, clinical trials, uh, which would be like your Epidiolex and Fativex. Um, but mm-hmm. for herbal medicines, uh, we would have to, at minimum, conform to the quality standard, which is your manufacturing style and your stability. Well, as, it, as it, it's almost like an organic label because it goes through very strict um, processes to make sure that okay for your body to ingest. That's right. And the, the U.S. has a similar standard, except for the U.S., mm-hmm. from the FDA's point of view, uh, prefers synthetics, single element molecules. Right. So right. the concept of a distillate that may be 80% pure, um, that other 20%, you know, is mind-boggling to the FDA. They would rather have, <laughs> you know, CBD or... THC, you know, pure THC isolate. They would rather have uh, single elements or the combination thereof of two pure single elements. And so, the, but, you know, Europe, India, uh, uh, Asia, most of these countries perform more to the herbal uh, uh, remedies, and, and uh, um, these are herbal registered medicines. And, yeah, it's an easier route, but they are also deemed safe because they hold... Um, the elements, so the THC and the CBD distillates are considered safe elements for human consumption. And then there's just mm-hmm. limits placed on upper limits as to how much can be in per dose. Oh, okay. And what are those limits? Well, it changes from country to country, but let's say okay. if you're in Germany, it's 25 mgs per 1 ml of drops. You know, so if you need 50 mg's oh, or 100 okay. mg's, you'll have to okay. take two drops or four drops. Um, right. Australia is more. I think it can go up to 50 mg's per dose. So um, that's 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 a, a higher level. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, it depends on the country, um, and they all kind of differ in their ranges. Um, but the idea is, if people need higher doses, of course, you just take. Uh, a few more uh, milliliters. Yes, let's take more of it. So are you guys coming up with 
different ways of uh, administering the cannabis cannabinoids? Like any new yeah, things other than the, the patches? Like I really, that's, I like patches. Um, well, especially for people I mean, who can't eat, you know. From the U.S. perspective, it, it would be quite boring, right? Like drops. You know, this, was, this is something that's a small part of the U.S. market. Um, you know, so from the European perspective, just to uh, have gel caps or spray or a transdermal, well, this is beyond avant-garde for them. So you have to keep in mind that what we're doing over here is trying to first get these products registered inside the market, registers as medicines that can be shipped around the world. And then we need to introduce the more novel formats for them. So as an example, although this is not considered a medical uh, device, um, we are putting into stability vaporizers, vaporizer cartridges to the U.S. Vaporizers are everywhere. Um, but right. you know, there's a lot of people that do not want to uh, light up or smoke the flower, but they do want mm-hmm. the faster, um, the faster um, uh, delivery. And so, you know, vaporizers are quite novel, and people, although who, they know them, they know them because U.S. and Canada and, and these kind of markets have them, uh, they, they can't imagine it from a medical standpoint. Um, so countries like Australia and the U.K. allow uh, vaporizers. And so we're addressing that market because we have the capabilities to manufacture at multiple levels. Um, we just have to be careful that we can't do everything the United States is doing because it's such a young market here. Imagine Mm. the U.S. is a $31 billion market, and all of Europe and Australia and and the emerging markets is 500 to 800 million, depending on how you look at it. So it's quite small, and the majority of it is flour, and only in the last two years have extracted medicines come, which is the preference for doctors, but there's still little known about it from a medical standpoint here. So a lot of education has to go on, especially educating the doctors and their patients. Right, absolutely. And that's, uh, I wanted to ask you, are you looking at um, different cannabinoids, different terpenes for different ailments? Because we get a lot of patients that they come in and they say, you know, I've got DDD or migraines or RA or IBS, you know, what, what is the best thing for me to take, you know, and what delivery method, because some can be better, for, you know, than others, for, depending on what you have as a condition. I mean, the answer is yes, of course we are, um, but we have to also be cognizant um, that the regulators in Europe in these countries are not as advanced as the United States in their knowledge base and, and how far they stretch. Um, uh, things like CBG, THCA, mm-hmm. THCV, um, uh, mm-hmm. CBC, you know, all of these, uh, and, and, and these are all great, um, uh, great usages, let's say, great combinations for formulations, but they're not in the European monograph yet which means mm. that they, cannot be, they are not deemed yet safe for human consumption. So they wouldn't right. conform to the herbal pharmacopoeia, but they would conform to clinical trials. So if you wanted to go the route 
of Epidiolex or Safivex, you know, and spend $100 million and go through the entire process to get a, a registered medicine in that realm, which is the, the mm-hmm. pure pharmaceutical realm, then, you know, we could go that route, but it's just not where we're at. We're under the herbal rules, and we have to wait for the rules to change. And right. sadly enough, terpenes is, is the same. So in, their, in the regulators' minds, and there's enough evidence uh, to, to, to suggest it, the terpenes do interact with the THC and the CBD. Now, is that a negative reaction or a positive reaction? As you point out, there's a positive correlation, but the regulators just say, okay, the interaction means this is another active ingredient and we need to study this active ingredient. And it seems quite oh. silly. Like, why couldn't we add limonene or myrcene or many of the other um, uh, terpenes, if not just for flavonoids, um, but for the actual, you know, benefits, right. you know, anti-inflammatory exactly, right. aspects or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the regulators aren't as hip as we are uh, to the benefits. <laughs> so we got to go step by step, and uh, we're already pushing the regulators, you know, to their to their breaking limit um, because even something like a transdermal where it goes right through the skin, they understand ingestible. They don't understand transdermal application and PK studies that might be required uh, in the absorption of of cannabinoids through the skin layers. So, you know, these these are already pushing the boundaries for them. And then, of course, we, we want to get in and we need to show them more uh, data for terpenes and other cannabinoids, which is what we're doing, but we have to be gentle. We can't blast through the mm-hmm. door. We have to knock politely. <laughs> it's the secret knock. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, um, okay, well, secretly knocking. Where are you able to ship the products that you're making now? Are you able to ship any or are well, there's quite a few markets uh, that, that, like, let's say the largest markets right now. Um, so the, the number one largest market is Australia for our kind of products because all finished form products are accepted there. So gel caps, um, all, uh, transdermals, creams, um, drop sprays, um, sublinguals. Um, they even accept nano emulsions and, and, okay. some of the, and some of the faster excipient mixes that we've come up with. So that's for sure the most avant-garde reminiscent of a U.S. market that exists currently today. Then you have Germany, which is the largest European market. They're the heavyweight. Um, but they're more res- – right now, for the, they're mostly a flower market, and the extracts are, are the largest growing segment mm-hmm. um, because the doctors want them. Um, and so right. – but they're under what's called magisterial prep, and that means that they don't allow finished form dosages like we produce, but the, we okay. can sell our oils, like our mix, our 10-10 mix, to them, and then the pharmacy takes that mix and does a few manipulations and then says it's theirs and delivers it uh, to the, to the uh, uh, patient. Similar to the United States, is called compounding, um, but uh, that does exist right. and um, you know, we expect that's going to change, and it, it is going to change. And then you have markets like Italy, second largest in Europe, um, also up in mostly a flower market, now going to extracts, 
Uh, the health ministry is very, very bullish on extractable products. Uh, you have the UK, you have Poland, um, France is in a trial study now, Ireland is in a very small study, Denmark is uh, definitely um, coming up. Uh, they, their patient uh, base hasn't grown that much, but it's still a good market. Chesnia, the Czech Republic, um, that, uh, that they've, they've signaled um, that they want to go recreational. They're mostly confined to CBD right now. Uh, um, you have, uh, even in Asia, you have uh, Thailand that's just gone medical. Uh, South Korea uh, has CBD, uh, not THC. Brazil, CBD, not THC. Um, you know, so, you know, that's in Israel is mostly a flower market. So there's quite a lot of markets, and they're all just, starting really in the last many years. So we have to be patient with them and keep trying to open the doors. Yeah, you absolutely have to be patient with them because like you said, you can't go running like a bull in a china shop. You'll scare them and they'll shut the doors. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. It, but, but you know, it, Europe is really advancing quite, quite rapidly, even on a recreational phase. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot going on right now for that. And I wouldn't even be surprised if they, could, if they beat the U.S. to the punch. Oh, I wouldn't either. <laughs> now, with, with folks that are holding back, why do you think they're holding back with all the progress that we see? I mean, you just listed a dozen or more places that have, you know, programs. And here in the U.S., there's, I think there's 36 medical pro- or states that have medical programs and more that have some sort of you know, CBD programs. Um, what do you think holds people back these days? Especially with the well, research I mean, I'll give you my, there. There's research out there. I'll give you my personal opinion, not my company's opinion. Um, my personal opinion is there's powers to be in the political sphere uh, that want us to be in disarray and, and do not want us to proliferate. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. they are powerful and they have powerful lobbyists uh, they love to see the U.S. corporations struggling for cash, uh, struggling to innovate, and I believe that the same thing is happening in Europe. Um, there is more of a, it's less pronounced than the U.S. where, you know, there's lobbyists working against you. Um, here it's a little bit more silent. Uh, they're working silently against you to not advance uh, these rules. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have direct lines to the health ministers, um, you know, they, they're, they're, you know, the, the, the pharmaceutical industry are, are largely watching this. They do not want, uh, you know, their cash cows to be uh, diluted by anything, especially something that they're not a part of. So, you know, that would be my general opinion. I'm sure there's a million others. <laughs> no, that sounds like <laughs> the majority of the opinions out there. Uh, it's a lot about yeah. money and greed and not really as much about health and care as as it should be. Um, what what would you like to see the the near future, and what what is your company um, starting for the near future of cannabis? Well, I mean, look, products. We're 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 on the side of the of the medical solution. Um, you know, our our investment is into a medical grade facility. Uh, we do believe that's a global trend, um, and you know the fact that we can move a medical product all around the globe uh, seems like one of the things that I would have always liked when I was in the U.S. markets. 
um, taking it, yeah. uh, you know, t- taking advantage of being able uh, to go cross border and have different products and not have to have a grow in every state and a production in every state. You know, trying to reach a good uh, balance. Uh, and, and over here, um, we have that. We have already the open borders. Now we need a greater proliferation. Um, so the biggest trick is is trying to get dosaging and guides to the to the doctors. And so markets mm. like Australia um, allow us to present dosaging guides based on um, based on research research that exists, research that already, there was a great 200-page report that just came out in Canada uh, strictly talking about their medical uh, practices, the usages, and what kind of indications they're using for different things, what's successful and what's not. Well, there is enough of this anecdotal evidence uh, without clinical trials to say, look, this is used for this, and this is generally used for this. Right. And a country like Australia allows us to present those facts. Whereas if I went to Germany and I said, I want to present these facts of the usage of, of uh, cannabis, they would look at me like I had a third eye and they would say, there's just no way you're going to present that. Uh, you know, we're going to let the pharmacist uh, give his own recommendation, uh, but we're not going to let you uh, inform doctors that this is the case. So you have, you know, enough information out there to correlate proper documentation and at least be a guide, but there's not many countries that are allowing that. And something very, very odd happened just a a few weeks ago. The Spanish health minister, after it was clear that there was going to be a positive movement in their medicine program, the Spanish health minister said, we do not have, I do not have, yet he does not have, I should be clear, he does not have enough information to say that cannabis is positive or negative except for multiple sclerosis or epilepsy. And I couldn't resist to write uh, to them and say, well, who's your, who, where did you get this from? Is GW Pharma telling you your advice or are you actually uh, reading? You know, there, there's plenty of evidence out there of the usage and the good it's doing. And it was mind-boggling, you know, shocking, let's say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, that's, yeah, who is giving you or who's not educating you? And that's hard about trying to educate doctors. Some, a lot of doctors, well, we've seen a big change in the industry, but when we first started, we did, there were a lot of doctors who wouldn't touch us with a 10-foot pole. Um, and finding training for, for doctors um, wasn't the easiest, you know, it's better now, but there's still a lot of people out there that are very hesitant to even learn anything about the endocannabinoid system or what the plant itself can do and can't do. And, um, yeah, that's education is not the easiest thing to do. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely one of the biggest tricks. And, we're, you know, there's only so many people I can sit and talk to and, you know, when I can sit with doctors or different groups, uh, clinicians, and I can go through our dosaging guide and our experiences, um, and that's legal. Right? That's legal from a sales point of view is to speak about it. But presenting the actual, what would be simpler would be to say, here, here's what we've written up for another market. Um, take a look. Let's talk about it. 
I mean, that simplicity goes away. So it becomes a knock on each door, you know, word of mouth uh, style, just like the pharmaceutical industry is designed for, by the way. Uh, they have massive sales staff that just knock on these doctors' doors. We're smaller companies like us are reconciled uh, uh, to that kind of spending and that kind of, of um, you know, pathway uh, to get the word out. And it's quite troubling, you know. But, okay, this is the world. These are the cards we were dealt, and we'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. And we put a lot of money towards education and doctor seminars. So um, that's the result. We have to just be more proactive in reaching them and trying to get them to understand it. And you can't imagine how many doctors are like, just give me that document. I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I happen to leave it on my desk and you take it off my desk, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm not handing you this Australian document. Sorry. And so you see, you know, wow. they come by and I'm taking it. So it's, it's become wow. like that. There you go. Well, hey, any way to get the word out and look, look at the changes we've seen in the last, you know, 10, 20 years, you know, as, just even in that little bit of time, um, the the acceptance in different places. And I think more and more people, you know, patients are coming forward saying, hey, even if, as a last resort, thankfully, you know, this, there's, I've tried everything else, let's just try it, you know. And, and thank God sometimes, you know, a lot of times it works for people. And there's your anecdotal evidence right there. I've seen literal miracles from this plant that I never thought I ever would see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the right to try seems like an obvious one, um, but then you right. have countries like <laughs> you have countries like the UK um, who said, okay, the only way we're prescribed you can is they call it the three strikes. Uh, it's like a three strikes rule. If you've tried three different therapies for whatever you're trying ailment you're trying to achieve, and if it conforms to this list of things that we, we believe cannabis is good for, which is a limited list, um, similar to New York uh, eight years ago, um, you, know, you know, cancer three, uh, epilepsy, multiple sclerosis, um, you know, right. uh, they have added pain, which is quite uh, the general category of pain. Uh, but many things are missing, like anxiety, stress, uh, you know, things that are more mm-hmm. uh, mental than they are, they are, are you know, um, uh, true physical ailments. Um, and so right. if you tried at least three different treatments for this, then we'll, get, we'll let you try cannabis. And it's just so mm-hmm. restrictive. You know, people just give up uh, because how many treatments, you know, how many different treatments for pain are there? Well, they're not that many, you know. I mean, right. you know, so <laughs> I'm in pain. I want to try it. Nope, you've got to try a few others first and then come back to us. And that takes one year to get through three different oh, treatments. Yeah, at least. Minimum. Yeah. And minimum. some of those treatments can be really harmful, you know, and why is it that yeah, you have to try something that you don't want to put in your body, you know? Well, that, they're <laughs> forcing you to try three other treatments, of which all of them are worse than cannabis. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah. surprising. Yeah. It, yeah, it is. It's surprising. Hopefully the menta- that mentality will change. Um, I know out here for PTSD, you have to be, you know, you have to have ongoing treatment. At least they have that on the, on the list that we're trying to get autism and anxiety on the list uh, as well. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, that's, 
That's exactly right. We're going through the same uh, the same struggle as you're going through, and it's it's pretty uh, typical across the board. Yeah, it is until someone has a family member that goes through something and they go, hey, wait a minute, you know, that's a lot of times where you see change is when someone is personally affected by uh, cannabis and its ability to help, at least help, maybe not heal, but maybe at least help through the process of some conditions, you know. Um, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and even here in Portugal, um, it's highly restrictive. Uh, I, I just last week I got a call and, and somebody was going through something very dramatic. Um, it was clearly uh, something uh, where cannabis could help at least to ease their pain, um, maybe right. not to cure what they had. And I said, look, right. I'm going to be in Barcelona. Uh, you could come meet me over there. I'll introduce you to a social club over there, and you can uh, get the dosages. I can help you to guide you, uh, but I cannot help you. Uh, with my company, unfortunately, because we cannot distribute like that. And the doctors will not prescribe it for you here. So, um, you know, unfortunately, we are forced into those situations um, where we can give advice that doesn't necessarily conform uh, to the advice that we would normally give uh, to our clients, yeah. which would be the pharmacies. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little while yet, but I think it's, I think it's around the corner. You can finally see a little bit of a light. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've been saying that for years. It's just around the corner. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, we've come a long way in a little bit of time here, just I know in the state here, and you know. I'm sure you still have a lot of connections out here. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I remember Arizona in the beginning, um, uh, and I know you know many of the players out there, and, um, you know, it's a fantastically growing market, and, you know, it, it mm-hmm. almost, you know, the Arizona market is bigger than the entire European and EU market right now. Imagine uh, imagine that, and it has uh, twice the population. Well, the global population is massive, but uh, let's say just in the population of countries that accept it is much larger than the United States, let alone Arizona. Um, so, you know, you see how far you are and how far we have to go. Uh, it, it, the numbers are very clear. Oh, yeah. Yep. And like you said, baby steps with everybody. <laughs> you don't want to scare yeah, them. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's it's right. always interesting to me what ailments states or countries pick out and what delivery methods they pick. You know, some of them are like capsules only, some of them are tinctures only, some of them are vaporizers only. Very interesting. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, look... Um, uh, it, it, it's ha- we are so much better off than where we were a decade ago, and we're going to be so much even faster as things move quicker. We're seeing things move really fast here. I mean, we saw Germany announce their recreational program. It was more of a pop fizz than it was a, a, a wow, that's really going to change the world. Um, you know, we have countries like Malta and Luxembourg, um, Switzerland, um, all that have announced recreational trial programs, and they're more reminiscent of social clubs or um, similar to Netherlands coffee shops. Um, you know, so I am actually writing an article now trying to explain to people what social clubs really means and, and trying to give them an idea. Mm-hmm. And then you have like a country like Spain where I was just there last week. 
And there's 500 social clubs all around there, even though medical cannabis, get this, medical cannabis is not yet legal. Medical cannabis isn't legal, but there's 500 social clubs uh, operating in the gray zone in the Catalan region. It's quite mind-boggling. Really? I think there might be even a thousand around the area. Yeah, yeah, really. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and they're beautiful. I went to one of them. I, a lot of them are small, uh, little shops like mm-hmm. you would imagine a coffee shop to be. But then there was one I mm-hmm. went to. It was, you know, two levels. They had pool table, ping pong, foosball, nice. uh, TVs going, <laughs> you know, loungers nice. everywhere. They had a glass room. They had a glass room that was, I mean, they had this blown glass that, I mean, looked like, you know, I don't even want to speculate, but it was a lot of money in that room. And it was like a vaulted oh, yeah. glass room of just glass. I was like, wow, oh I haven't even seen that in the United States, uh, this kind of a collection. And are they legal there? Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, uh, it's, it's a hard question. It's, it's tolerated under uh, these, cap- mm. these old Catalonian rules. Um, right. But it's not like they're quite happy about it. They try every chance they get to knock them. And unfortunately, the social clubs are suffering financially. They can't make it. They barely can pay their employees the way the rules are set up. So in one side, they're allowing you to operate. Um, you, right. as you, just like the Netherlands, none of it is legal made. So none of it is like how we would understand oh. it in the United States. It's not what we make. It's not legal uh, cannabis. So it's done, you know, in houses or garages or, or underground, and then it's hmm. repatriated through these social clubs. So, you know, it's the gray zone. But, again, uh, it's not helping the industry to grow or the, or the, the, the patient bases to grow. It's just allowing right. some outlet in, in a gray, murky zone without saying, look, we're legalizing this. That's enough of this. So it's quite frustrating. Right. Oh, it is It is absolutely frustrating. Um, but it's good that you have them. At least maybe there's a little more awareness now. And if they can see how much this gray area is generating revenue, <laughs> look what would happen if you did something legally with it, you know. And people are tired of it. They're tired of being deemed a bad person for wanting to use cannabis. But yet you can go out and take pills and kill yourself on fentanyl, and that's all right. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, it, the, the largest prescriber base here um, is 50 plus. So it's actually mm-hmm. people that are used to medicines. And one of the most common things when I talk with, you know, some of the different patient groups, um, you know, I really just talk with the doctors, but sometimes they say, oh, we want you to talk to the, this patient group of ours and uh, talk about the uses of cannabis. And they come up to me and goes, well, I'm not a drug addict. I don't need cannabis. And I just laugh. And I say, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. I just find that so funny to hear. But I get your point, what, the way you're looking at it. And I imagine, you know, 20 years ago, we probably would have heard the same thing in the United States. Um, but oh, now, yeah. you know, even my... 80-year-old parents are like, you know, uh, well, I want that mix you made me. I don't want the 5-MG gummy. I want that little, you know, 2.5. And I'm like, oh, they don't exist. Right. <laughs> we, have to, we have to make you that. It's uh, saying, oh, I'll just eat a quarter of one. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, yeah. 
<laughs> well, that's but anyways, yeah, are you we're, guys, we're working on yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I think we are, and I think it's it's coming around quicker than I, you know. It's quick and slow at the same time, but for people that have been doing this for you know many, many, many years, I'm sure they're just rolling their eyes like enough already. <laughs> just just do it. But I think the other companies yeah. <clears throat> have to find their way of making the money in it before anything just gets flipped. <laughs> I agree. And and one thing I really I am very grateful for here um, is is the fact that there is a standardized product. Um, it, it's the rules are very clear. I mean, pharmaceutical rules have been around forever um, and and adopted and, and improved for decades, century, and so. The rules are very clear for what we need to do and what we need to make. Um, but then when we want to push the limits, like you were saying with the terpenes, or we want to push the limits uh, with other cannabinoids, um, you know, we're blocked. Even, you know, we, we're, we came up with a, uh, a, a solution with a stabilized THCA, uh, which is, you know, your first cut of the crude oil. Um, and and although, although we were, to us, you know, THCA, that's crude, and then we distill it, and it becomes Delta-9. And we're thinking to ourselves, well, that's a pretty simple one. That, that shouldn't be that difficult. It was, it was very complex to explain, um, and, and eventually, okay, hmm. it, it did get passed because we showed that it was just the precursor to Delta-9, and it's the non-psychotropic version, and that this could be used for people that don't want the uh, psychotropic version of THC, uh, Delta-9, and, and they might want uh, that the, the actual qualities of THCA um, do conform with uh, the Delta-9 precursor. And so, you know, that was, that was you know, like breaking through the glass ceiling. Um, so, yeah. you know, there, are, there is advancement. Um, you know, it's a, it's, a lot more, it's a lot more medical orientated where we have to, you know, it's going to take time and more money than um, like in the United States. Um, where we could just make the product and say, okay, here's a, a CDN with a, with a melatonin, and that's going to help you sleep, or THC and, 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 and CBN, and this is going to help you sleep. Well, that doesn't necessarily work over here. We have to go through, we could make it, but then we have to go through a lot of uh, trials to prove it. And in one side, you know, okay, that's, that's, I wish we didn't have to go that way, but on the other side, every product I make, um, you know, can be distributed legally to multiple countries. And, and that's a whole nother world that's, that's different and, and excite, exciting because we're actually penetrating markets that never existed uh, with medicines because they have a regulated format for transfer and, uh, and prescription. Hmm. That is interesting. That's, a, that's awesome. It's a great way to penetrate that market. And it's especially yeah, if it's so. formulated and consistent because that's one of the big problems that, you know, we've seen at dispensaries here where people find a product and they go, you know, and it works well for their arthritis or their insomnia or whatever, and they go back, you know, two weeks later and they're like, oh, we don't have that anymore, you know. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, a, that's another thing, you know. We used to be able to just make something and, Okay, if that didn't really sell well, we just make another thing. Or if that right. taste wasn't good, we just we just put another taste in it. Or you don't like uh, how sugary it is. Okay, well let's you know go with the natural fruit juice. Well, 
all of those are great advancements that we learned over time, but whatever I'm going to make today is going to cost so much and take so much time because the development of one product is a year and a half minimum right. if you're good. And so mm-hmm. whatever bet we make today, you know, that's the bet we got to sleep in for a long time because that's a registered medicine and it took right. a year and a half and X amount of cost to get there. So, you know, I imagine over time um, some of the basic versions like the MCT oil will go away um, and new markets that open up will say, no, we want those MCT oils. So as markets advance, they may go to the, um, you know, faster absorbing, um, you know, more nano emulsion uh, style, uh, uh, you know, uh, ingestibles um, because they don't want to wait an hour for their onset. Um, and and then the new markets are going to say, wait a second, we don't want the faster absorption. We need the MCT oil. So it, it's one of those, you know, dog casing the tail moments where some countries will end up advancing, you know, extremely far, and our products, as I said, like Australia will accept them, and then other pro- countries like Germany will will stay in the dark ages basically for a little while with their magisterial preps and pharmacies that right. mix them. And then, you know, eventually they're going to say, well, this doesn't make any sense because there's a higher quality standard if we're delivered a finished product at the EU GMP level. So, you know, it's only logical that they will, they will say, well, this, this magisterial goes away. But as we've pointed out many times in this call, it's about money and the pharmacist groups, <laughs> they want to control it. And so we've got to service them and service the others yep. all at the same time. Yep, that's true. Well, they're they're finding their way in it. <laughs> it's good and bad. I mean, it's it's good that it'll go to the masses, but it's bad that that kind of system will try to take over. Um, Michael, it has been such an honor and a pleasure to speak with you, and I hope you've enjoyed the show. And we appreciate everything you're doing for the advancement of this beautiful plant and the healing of the planet because we know it does a lot of help. Uh, healing for a lot of people. Um, We've made it all the way to the end of the show. (laughs) Oh, great. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was truly a pleasure. And uh, the next time I'm out in Arizona, I'll I'll give you guys a buzz. If if you're ever in Lisbon, come over and I'll show you how a pharmaceutical cannabis product's made. Nice. Well, tell everybody where they um, they can find you on our big worldwide web. Yeah, go to Somai Pharma, S-O-M-A-I Pharma, P-H-A-R-M-A dot E-U, and uh, you can, uh, uh, each country has its own website, as you might imagine, uh, after our conversation, mm. so if you're, yeah. it could be dot U-K, or it could be dot uh, a few others, so uh, we're all over the globe. Well, thank you again, take good care, and happy cannabis. <laughs> thank you, you too, thanks everyone. All right. Bye-bye. All righty, folks. That is the end of Wednesday Wednesday. Went right to the very end, and I hope it was semi-clear with, with the phone here. I have to, I'm literally holding it old school time. Uh, happy Wednesday Wednesday, as always. Be smart, be safe, and educate. And we will see you soon. We got another guest coming up in a couple of weeks, I think, towards the end of May. 
In the meantime, hit that bong, babies. Woo, hit it. Hit it. Happy birthday to David yesterday. Woo, woo. Take a ripper. Rippies. Woo, woo. Happy Wednesday, Wednesday, folks. We'll catch you next time. Y'all rock. Woo, woo.